You're listening to the Teak Nation Podcast, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Hello and welcome, friends and family of the Teak Nation Podcast. It is Monday, April 19th release on Wednesday, April 21st. And it is uh it's volunteer appreciation week. So we got uh, we got some content drummed up for you all today. Pretty exciting little two for interview that we have going. So I don't think we're I don't think we need to take a ton of time to talk about the world, Donnie. We can get into a couple of things, but we wanna we want to get to our volunteers. Yeah we've got some some great folks. Obviously we don't have enough time on this podcast to to interview every great volunteer we have, but we do have two phenomenal people for this episode and a real chance to get some perspective into what is their life like and also what are their expectations for the future of Teak? What are their expectations for volunteers and what are some of their favorite memories that they and, and value that they get out of volunteering? Well, let's just be honest. Uh, there's no football games to talk about. There's no college basketball games to talk about. So, well, you know, uh, your, your Braves, your Braves are... Uh, Average, right? I, I don't know. Average. Pretty average. Average. Yeah, this is really a great opportunity for us to branch out. If you're one of those listeners that's, are they finally going to talk about something besides sports? Here's a great opportunity for us to talk about some of the things besides sports. So it's great. Um, choice. It's Oscars week. The Academy Awards are coming up. Uh, I personally have, I think, watched maybe two of the 50 films. I, I shouldn't say movies. I believe they're called films when you're talking about them in an official capacity. So I'm I'm not real versed on the Oscars. Uh, if you were hoping for some deep insights, I don't have them. But ha- have you watched any of the movies that are nominated for any Academy Awards this year? I got to be honest. I don't know what those films are. I will say this, though, and, and maybe this makes me maybe this is just part of aging. But I really love documentaries and not, you know, documentaries on birds or volcanoes or, or something like that. And, and if that's your thing, God bless you. But documentaries on certain people or certain events, I really can get it. Like obviously, the last dance we've talked about more sports related around the Bulls run phenomenal. But just documentaries around certain events, certain people, I I can really get into. And I like when they're two, three, four, five parts versus just one one hour or two hour documentary. So I'm I'm more of a documentary person as I've started to. Mature, although I obviously always enjoy a good film, and especially if it is a comedy, something that if it can make you think and it can make you laugh, that's a great movie. Those are uh, two of Jimmy B's three staples to a perfect. Right, game. right. I understand crying, and, and you know you want to drive the emotions. That's always a great thing. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a big like uh, I love Planet Earth or like the. Well, that's great that you love Planet Earth. I, no, you know, no, if you no, like, like Planet Mars, you'd really like, be in the disappointment. The blue planet, when they go on Discovery and they like track one specific Arctic fox for seven years just to see him like dive into a hole and pull out a naked mole rat. That I like that stuff. That's that's fun. Okay, so we always enjoy random phrases or words that we thought no one else would think we we're going to get in the podcast. Put your hand up wherever you are if you thought naked mole rat was going to make its way in today. Yeah, there's some, well, we have a very educated listener base. So someone out there is probably thinking, whoa. Arctic foxes are not a natural predator of the naked mole rat, but I don't care. Fair enough. I, I don't have anything else to say about naked mole rats and being chased by Arctic foxes. Great. 
Great. Um, I will, uh, you know what, just for the sake of argument, I'll take a stab at some of the big categories here. You don't have to if you don't want to, Don. Um, I know just enough about the uh, the Academy Awards to, to make my predictions. So here we go. Performance by an actor in a leading role. I will go with uh, Riz, Riz Ahmed for The Sound of Metal. Um, he's great in the, the Night Of, which was an HBO uh, miniseries. Riz Ahmed, or Ahmed, I don't know how you pronounce the last name. Um, Sound of Metal, I think he's going to take that one. Performance by an actor in a supporting role. Pretty much has to go to Daniel Kaluuya for, uh, for Judas and the Black Messiah. That's one of the few of these films that I have actually watched. Uh, actress in a leading role, I think it's going to be uh, Frances McDormand for Nomadland. Seems like Nomadland is, is hot right now. Spoiler alert to my, uh, my best picture prediction. Actress in a supporting role. I'm uh, not as uh, not as well versed on some of these names, but I will uh, I'll say Glenn Close for Hill, Hillbilly Elegy um, or Elegy. Again, don't know how you pronounce that word. Um, so Glenn Close there. Um, and then uh, again, uh, best best picture. I will take Nomadland. I, I would like to watch it uh, if I can find it on a streaming service. It's just been a bad year for movies. Like, what you I mean, it's, there's COVID. You can't go to movie theater. And I feel like a lot of studios have delayed production for a lot of movies. So I just haven't watched very many of them. I just watched The Sopranos again, that flip it on and watch The Sopranos for a, a fifth time. So I thought you were going to go through the whole list and I wasn't going to have heard of any no, of those. No, just, just the five. Yeah, you almost pulled it off. The Hillbilly Elegy, I agree with you. I don't know how you pronounce the, the second word, but Elegy, I actually believe my wife watched part of that did oh, you have you watched any so we have a deep connection to the oscars now. yeah oh yeah yeah I, i'm all in have you watched any part of hillbilly elegy no i know what it's about though uh, i remember when the book was released it it captivated me but it did not captivate me enough to make me read the book or watch the movie Whew. minimal uh, there's a amount of captivation yeah there's a lot going on and uh from two people who have grown up in what some folks would consider hillbilly country it's relatable in some parts. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, there's, uh, I think there's a lot that that movie and book cover that you could certainly apply to some of our, our great home state here in Indiana. Um, probably in Kentucky. Quite in Kentucky. Don't, don't leave Kentucky out. Kentucky and Tennessee and, uh, and West Virginia is, is, you know, maybe a little more little more in line with where that that movie is going but yeah i think the uh well especially the political lessons that could be drawn from from that content they're they're applicable at the very least you don't say applicable you say applicable that's correct interesting applicable or applicable what's the other word oh man i just heard a word yesterday that somebody pronounced differently than i do i can't remember what it was but i'm pretty sure i'm right but it was like a tv reporter so it it rattled me. Just because they have a microphone, you thought that yeah. was the way you should say it? It's going to drive me nuts now. It's going to drive me nuts regardless of being on this podcast or not. So It literally will be the only thing you think it. about as we keep moving forward in our agenda. think of it and, uh, and, and bring it up next week. Um, what le Last point I have is, is RIP Prince Philip. I know he died a couple of weeks ago, but the, uh, the funeral proceedings were over the weekend. I, am, I do feel a small amount of attachment to the royal family because I watched The Crown. So... Uh, I'm, I'm more, I'm more in, in tune with the Royal family than I am. Most of the, most of the movies nominated for Oscars this year. Any closing thoughts on the, the life and times of Prince Philip? 
Not on Prince Philip. No, I would okay. say if people have been around you when you travel, they would think you're an aristocrat. Just the way you carry yourself, the kind of access that you want. Yep. You know, definitely have a taste for the high life. Yeah. Unlike no, us commoners. The Delta Sky Club, I mean, that's that's got that's got royal family written all over it right there. Absolutely. Basically trying to live like the, the top 1%. Oh, uh, I'll, uh, backing up a little bit, and then we can close out the Prince Philip talk. Uh, we do have a frauder who is nominated for, uh, for an Academy Award, Trevon mm-hmm. Free. Um, he created the short film, Two Distant Strangers. Um, he is from uh, East Bay, perhaps, one of our, one of our California chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is, uh, he's, he's nominated. He's doing the media tour right now. Uh, I did reach out to him on Instagram to see if he'd want to come on the Teen Nation podcast. I have not heard back. So if he's listening, which I'm sure is, is likely, um, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you on the pod, but, uh, Two Distant Strangers available on Netflix, uh, taps into some current event type things that are going on as far as uh, relationships between the black community and the uh, police community. So we, you can draw your own conclusions from the movie, but um, it's only about a half hour. I, I watched it over the weekend. Uh, it is a, it is a solid short film and uh, congratulations to Trevon and, and all that he has accomplished, obviously being a member of the fraternity, being nominated for an Oscar. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we're making outreaches to, potential people on celebrity level guests. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Golden, 24K Golden is also a a member out there who's doing pretty well. I saw he's got his own Sirius XM show now. I think it's an hour or so that he has on on one of the Sirius XM channels. So uh, Frauder from USC, apparently out on the West Coast, we've got a lot of folks in the arts that are crushing it. I know USC has a phenomenal cinema cinematic school since we're having that conversation around around Oscars week. But uh, yeah, we've got some great young frauders out there who are killing it in the music game and in the uh, in the acting room. Yeah, tw- did, filming did, did not seem like uh, like our 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 friend and frauder twenty four K Golden was super interested in joining us. I don't know why he wouldn't. There's no better place to build your brand than the T Nation podcast. Um, I think we might have just waited up. A little too long, a little late in the game. We should have should have gotten to him before Mood came out. Once Mood dropped, hmm. it's just uh, you know we got got on uh, New Year's Eve show, and uh, I think the chances of him coming on this podcast now are pretty low. But it's it's like if you just started buying GameStop, right? You're just late. Yeah, that I don't even know if that's a good idea. Um, Dogecoin, you may have laughed at me. When I when I purchase my Dogecoin, it is on the up and up. You know what? I'll just check the I'll just check it live right here because I haven't even looked at it today. Doge right now, of course, this drops Wednesday, so it could be it could tank between now and then. We are at whoo, we are at uh, 38, 38 cents, almost thirty nine cents Dogecoin. So for those Doge holders out there. Congratulations. Um, I have a small amount, probably not enough to make a difference unless we we get up into uh, the Bitcoin realm. But cryptos, cryptos are, are doing it right now. Stock markets, uh, stock markets looking better. Cryptos, that's where it's at. It is very interesting, probably another discussion for another day. But between 
between the cryptocurrency and between NFTs, uh, very interesting that whole universe and how it's starting to become more and more mainstream and more and more uh, folks who are very intelligent and very successful are starting to have commentary, uh, doing their exploration on, on what they are and what the long-term benefits are or legitimacy is. It's very interesting. There are so many creative ways to, to lose your money on stupid crap right now. It's unbelievable. It's a, we're living in a, an era unlike any other. So yeah, I mean, uh, I was actually, our good friend Gary V tweeted earlier today about, uh, about NFTs. And he was basically like, look, the market's going to get, market's going to get oversaturated if it's not already. But if you want to purchase an NFT or NFTs or whatever, whatever you want to do with it, Go buy things that you like. Go purchase NFTs that suit your needs and your interests. Don't get in it to make a ton of money. Get in it for fun. Get in it to join a community and, and see where it goes. So I thought that was some, some good level setting. It was a little bit of like, hey, let's pump the brakes a little bit on these. But uh, there's no reason that if you're passionate about it to, to stay away from it. You know, just like the the cryptos, maybe we should get uh, get old Frater Ed Moy on here soon to talk about cryptos. He's, I mean, if there's somebody that I want to talk to about how money works in America, I uh, can't think of anyone better than a former director of the U.S. Mint. But I know he's got a lot of crypto knowledge as well. So uh, I, I'm not going to tease it because I don't know if it'll happen or not. But perhaps in the near future, we'll get Frater Moy in to, uh, to share his thoughts on Doge and, uh, and, and just how high we think it can go. Yeah, he is an extremely intelligent, extremely gracious man. Also a former guest of the podcast. He'll go back to season one. Back to season one. That's right. Let's rule of three it then. I want to I wanna stick with the Academy Awards theme. So we've done favorite movies. I don't want to do favorite movies again. I thought about maybe like best movies, but I don't want to go down that route. This is so subjective. Um, so my rule of three, our rule of three for this episode are your three favorite movie stars. And, and that could be actor, actor or actress. Your three favorite movie stars to watch in motion pictures. All right. So the heading on this and my rule when you go into this is what are folks that when they're in the movie, you automatically want to watch the movie, yeah. right? It doesn't even matter what the movie's about, yep, but I if agree. they're in the movie, right? I'm, I'm probably in. So these to me are absolutes. Number one, Denzel, whatever Denzel Washington's in, I'm in. Two, Morgan Freeman. Guys in an amazing amount of movies, does an amazing job. And third, Viola Davis. Now, she's also in TV, but uh, just thinks she's a phenomenal actress, does all sorts of uh, unique roles, and absolutely crushes it. Yeah, she's great. I uh, I agree. I have no complaints with your list. First time for everything. My three, well, you're, I mean, if, if you know me or you've listened to this podcast, you know who my number one is, so... Um, so we'll, we'll go reverse order. So number three for me is, is Amy Adams. Uh, she has, uh, she's, I think she's phenomenal. She crushes it and everything she's in, uh, started out as the purse girl on the office uh, about 12 years ago and, and has just become a thickly acclaimed Academy award winning actress, uh, big Amy Adams fan. Two is Brad Pitt. So Brad Pitt, 
um, is obviously very well known for his his dashing good looks, but he I think is is a fantastic actor and very actually underrated as an actor in the grand scheme of things because so many people just view him as a, a pretty face, which I res- resonates a lot with me. Um, a lot of people don't take me seriously as a podcaster because of of my my charm and my handsomeness, but we're working through it. Something that I, I deal with day in and day out. And then number one, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio, who, in, in my opinion, is the greatest actor of all time. I will watch a commercial about, uh, I don't know, a hair product if, if Leo's in it or uh, a new kind of uh, vegetable-based burger patty if Leo's in it. I, I just love Leo. I love everything that he does. Literally cannot emphasize that enough. How many times have you watched Titanic? Titanic? I've actually watched Titanic once. Hmm. I was I was like seven when that movie came out, so it was not uh, for, like first and foremost on my radar. I'm a lot more fan of Leo, like post two thousand five, two thousand six. Yeah. Like Catch Me How many, and how many times? Have- I think we're back to back, and that's really where my my love affair starts. How many times have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? Um, probably around 10, maybe not start to finish, but, uh, I'll, I'll watch it anytime it's on. You can pick it up anywhere in that movie and enjoy yourself. You know, what's great about that movie. It's one of those movies in life that you gotta be really cautious about who's around you when you're watching. Cause there's a lot going on there and certain people that, you know, this isn't going to be a good fit. Great story about that movie. Uh, I watched it in the, in the movie theater with my wife, Allie. And that alone was was uncomfortable enough. It gets worse, though. Sitting in front of us were, I would estimate, a 13-year-old boy with who I can only assume was his grandmother. So if you recall how that movie opens, um, it opens with Jordan Belfort slash Leonardo DiCaprio. Let's, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's be careful where we're I'm going gonna here. I'm going to be very careful. Okay engaging in uh, some illicit drug-based activity with a female who uh, provides companionship in exchange for money. Well, how was that? It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a family-friendly podcast. So anyway, the movie opens there and this kid's just sitting in front of us with his, you know, 70-year-old grandmother and, and Allie and I were just mortified. And it only, I mean, it only gets worse from that point forward, but that was a good experience. It's definitely one of those rare movies that you should have to be carded and be 18 to go in and see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're trying to walk in with your your grandma. So um, yeah, Catch Me If You Can, yeah, yeah. Wall Street, so- Sutter Island, The Departed, Inception. Um all, all great Leo movies. Uh, he's got two new movies coming out in the next year, year and a half, which I'm pumped about. It's all upside for Leo. Uh, so we, we, know, uh, we know it's Volunteer Appreciation Month, obviously. Um, it's also Financial Literacy Month, which I think is, is important. I think we mentioned that. Um, but continue to, uh, to think about the Your Money Vehicle tool and the, the good that can do. I know that's something that for a lot of people probably popped up on their radar when it first came out that is, has kind of fallen to the back burner. But this is the, this is the time to really dig in. A lot, of our, a lot of our folks out there are graduating college, getting ready to go open up their first checking account on their own, apply for their first credit card, right? Look for a, 
a car loan for the first time. And, and the more you can do to become financially literate and, and educate yourself, the better position you're going to be in, not just short term, but long term, very, very long term. It's never too early to start thinking about retirement, even when you're 22, 23 years old. So I want to want to make sure that I, I bump that as well and just showcase the program again as we are in the midst of Financial Literacy Month. Should we bring in Zach? Let's see how he's doing. Bring I'm a little sure energy. I'm sure he's doing great. He's always doing great. The man's instant energy. Let's get him in here. All right. Look at him. Hey, hey, Zach. Hello. You're outside. Mm. Well, I'm inside, but there's a lot of windows around me. He's in what used to be outside that looks like it was custom built to now be inside. Well, that's pretty much any any house anywhere. Any, okay, every well, house it looks like you're outside, in outside, and then it was built to no longer be outside. You're in what people would call an add-on porch, a sunroom. We just talked ah. about my desire to be uh, to live like a top one percenter and and be English nobility, and I think do it taking a call from a sunroom, it just fits with the narrative. See, that's that's where I fit in with uh, the commoners to just I wouldn't have thought of sunroom. I know that they're called sunrooms, but like a greenhouse. Well, it's not. Yeah, he basically lives in a greenhouse. Well, this is my this is this is my wife's parents home. So uh, I actually don't live anywhere near or around here. But I don't know why I'm talking to you. You guys probably only have like one window in, in the room that you're in. I don't even know why we're engaging this conversation. I, I actually do have one window in the room that I'm in right now. And it's glorious. There's a couple of windows here. But they're a couple. Different. Listen to this guy. A couple windows. All right, Zach. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm not English nobility in a sunroom, but I'm uh, I'm I'm doing pretty good. That's true. You're the most American of Americans, being in Florida as well. It doesn't doesn't get any more American than that. You know what's always great is whenever a story starts with a Florida man, and then off it goes. There, it, it truly does. Speaking of Florida men, our friend Butch Matheny got engaged over the weekend. He did. I, I uh, sent him a, a text message yesterday thanking him for his volunteer service, um, as well as congratulating him on the engagement. No response. So if you're listening, Butch, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, are, uh, are there any chapters out there that, that you want to shout out? I know we were thinking about this morning uh, in conjunction with podcasts. Producer Garrett Thomas, how we could do a little better about showcasing some of those groups. But are there any groups that you've worked with this year that you're just really impressed by who, who have gone about things the right way and, and gotten stuff done at a high level and, uh, and, and been able to work through COVID in a really productive manner? Um, I know that Santos probably won't be surprised by this one, but the guys out at Cal State Long Beach, those, I know I, I shouted them out maybe a, a couple months back, but those guys have have really stepped up to the plate pretty, pretty well. Um, I mean, they, what, double, tripled their, their chapter size and are in the twenties the now. And that's uh, quite the accomplishment, especially considering everything that's been going on. And then you think about specifically in that California, LA area, I mean, that's quite the accomplishment. So big props to them, their volunteer team, the Santos to all those guys. Um, and then just the, the colony down at Miami, they have their initiation coming up over the weekend. Um, obviously, that's a big buzz that's going on in the Apollo province here in Florida. But for those guys who just keep grinding, obviously, uh, props to to PJ and the work that he was able to do. I, I got a chance to meet those those young men. But 
the guys who are actually there inside of the group, um, props to them. And I, I hope that they'll continue to keep pushing forward as we kind of wrap up the semester, go into the finals, but keep finding ways to build new relationships with people and find ways to build relationships with new students who are coming in as we uh, get to the summer. You know, Zach, as it's, we've continued to talk about National Volunteer Month, and this is National Volunteer Week. Who are a couple volunteers that stand out to you, either through your collegiate experience or through through working on the professional staff for the last handful of years and, and guys that you've gotten a chance to interact with? That frankly, that's a great part about the fraternity. You would have never probably met them if it wasn't for being on staff and interacting with people outside Central Florida. Yeah, I think for my undergraduate time, it's got to be someone that you guys um, have heard a lot, a lot about from me. I see Swenson smiling, but Stephen Lytle, um, Mike Sutton, and Ed Robinson. Those three volunteers were massive in, in my own development as an undergraduate and then pushing me to, to pursue working for staff, especially Mike Sutton and, and Stephen Lytle, who are both uh, Knights of Apollo, former staff members, but, uh, and have continued to be a big part of my life. And then being on staff, especially my early, like what, the first three years really working in the Midwest, um, guys like Brandon Rick, um, Lance Milliken, those two in particular, um, a lot of work. Bill Bruns is another one. Those, those guys all a ton of work, especially out in Illinois. Um, can't say enough, especially with what's been going on in beta. There's been not a lot of, a lot of people talk, talk about it, but beta has taken some big strides over the last few years. And the types of men that they're bringing in, the leaders that they're creating and cultivating are astounding. Um, I saw at least one that signed up for, for Leadership Academy, it looked like, and that's really exciting pieces. But those, those two in particular, Lance and, and Brandon, have been awesome. They always uh, reach out to me to, to ask, oh, hey, would you mind on coming into a call or whatever it may be, even though I don't always work with the group, right, in this, this current growth role, but always happy to help out those who have asked for it, but specifically those guys who were always really open when I, when I was getting started and happy to, to put me in touch with who I needed to speak to. And, yeah, I can't say enough um, praises about uh, Brick, uh, Brandon Rick, Lance Milliken, and then Bill Browns, of course, as well. Excellent. Well, we uh, we love shouting out volunteers and we love shouting out chapters. We just knocked both those things out in the last five minutes. Thank you, Zachary, for your time, uh, for your uh, your passion, for letting us know how many windows are in are in the room you're in, and uh, hopefully we can do this again next week. I uh, I will see you all then. Thanks for having me as always. Adios. Bye now. All right, great life Zach lives. You know the life he lives. Yeah, I mean he lives in Central Florida. He gets he, he gets to focus on recruitment. Uh, I mean he lives by the water, and he just pops in here five minutes, takes a few questions, right? Throws a little knowledge, and then moves on with his day. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty much the perfect setup. You know, a lot of people claim to be living the dream. I I don't know if there's anyone who's actually living it more than Zach himself. I thought you were actively working to get that phrase out of the organization from the beginning of the year. I thought that was part of when we did the whole New Year's resolution. I thought you were working on that. Now you're doing it. No, 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 no. That was that was a direct, direct callback to the, you know, I, I didn't say that I'm living the dream. I'm just saying a lot of people say they are living the dream, which still annoys me, to be clear. But if there was one person who's actually the problem I have with it is that so many people say it that it can't possibly be true. Somebody out there, maybe two or three people, are actually living living the dream, and and if those are the people saying it, that's fine. Then it's then it's factual and it's valid. It's just when everybody says it as like the 
the the default response to hey how's it going that's when i that's when i get a little sideways on so your point was that that zach is actually living the dream in which case sure he can say it that's fine no lies were told got it dude all right we're on the same page let's bring in our our next round of guests uh, as as previously mentioned, it is a, a twofer, and we are very excited to go to Frauders, Pat McElroy and Thomas Geary. Pat McElroy and Thomas Geary, both joining us here on the Teak Nation podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Uh, briefly on each of them, and then I'll uh, we'll, we'll get into the questions. So, Pat is, uh, well, they're both pretty much any teak title that you could think of holding. Um, they both hold all of those simultaneously currently. So uh, Grand Province Advisor, Chapter Advisor, Board of Advisors member, um, alumni associations, both Thomas and Pat are, are very, very involved in, in those specific areas. Uh, Pat is the GPA of the Liberty Province, New Jersey and Pennsylvania area. Thomas is the GPA of the Hoosier Province here in the great state of Indiana. Uh, Pat comes to us from the IOTA Beta chapter at Susquehanna, Thomas from Omicron Sigma at IU Southeast. Was that, was that sufficient or were you guys hoping for longer, more illustrious introductions? Way too illustrious, way too illustrious. <laughs> just, just a couple of guys being dudes, how about that? Much better, much better, oh, thanks good. for that. Um, so, as our listening audience knows, and as you two know, it is Volunteer Appreciation Month. And so first and foremost, uh, we would be remiss to not thank you guys for your immense service to the fraternity. Um, I know personally, these are two guys that, that maybe spend more time on Teak than anyone else I know. Um, for that, first and foremost, thank you. Uh, but I do want to get in a little bit to, to what drives you all as volunteers, as individuals. Um, and, and I'll start with you, Pat. You have given countless hours to Teak and, and not just the time, but the energy and the effort that you put in. What is it that drives you to continue to do that? I think it would be pretty easy to get burnt out on Teak, um, as, especially as a volunteer, you're not getting paid, right? What is it that drives you to continue to give back to the fraternity at the level you do? Well, there's, there's certainly lots of things. I think the things that stand out the most or the questions I ask myself are probably you know gratitude first and foremost, and I'll expand on that. Um, but the other things that come to mind are fear. You know, what happens to the organization I love when I don't have, or there's not enough people that are supporting it or engaged? I think about opportunity. You know, I believe you can never really know what you are fully capable of. And so when I think of where Teak is and what I think Teak is capable of, um, I know there's a lot more out there and that's exciting to be a part of and to keep working on. And then there's self-assessment, you know, reflecting on the fraternity for life, asking myself, you know, what can I bring to the table to better the organization? So just quickly on the gratitude piece, I mean, I was very fortunate to begin my teak journey as part of an interest group that became a colony and then pretty quickly a recharter chapter and not long thereafter a top teak chapter, all of which was possible because of the support of local alums, teak staff, regional and province volunteers. Um, you know, so my teak journey has been shaped by many people investing their time, talent and treasure in me. And so out of gratitude and to pay it back, pay it forward, however you want to look at it, you know, I want to do my part to be able to provide a similar experience or really a better experience, you know, to the current and future actives, you know, but also to create a better teak for, you know, alumni to be proud of and to want to participate in. Thank you. Uh, I think the, the, 
the perspective about fear is is interesting. It's not something that I considered before. So I'm I'm glad you brought that up. And I think a question a lot of people could ask is, you know, what's going to happen to the fraternity if good people aren't involved to to keep it running? Um, Thomas, same question to you. What is it that that drives your involvement with the fraternity? That drives your passion, your energy that you give to teach? Yeah, Swinton, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be part of the podcast. I've listened to all the uh, episodes, so it's a great opportunity oh, for me. Yeah, very those loyal those fan here. So. Thank you. I had to throw that uh, two cents in there. Uh, but what motivates me to stay involved with Teague as a volunteer, a lot of it has to do with other volunteers and seeing other people step forward, putting themselves out there. People like Pat McElroy. And I remember Pat, who's just a tad bit older than I am. Uh, he was always an engaged volunteer when I was an undergrad. And I wanted to be like Pat when I grew up. So Pat uh, definitely was a big part of that. And other volunteers and chapter advisors like Frank Bennett down in Louisiana Tech. I really like to see our undergrads grow. And I had a lot of volunteers, be it in official roles and unofficial roles, invest in me. Uh, and because of Teak, it made me the person I am today. And it gave me opportunities with career growth. It gave me opportunities to travel and see the world. And I still stay close to those people that I was given a chance when I was an undergrad. And I want to make sure that our undergrads have those same opportunities and same chances to grow as individuals if they take the opportunity to do so. And I think volunteering gives us the best opportunity to provide that type of growth for our collegiate members. And it's worth the investment of my time to be able to see them thrive in those different types of environments. Uh, and then also being a leadership academy grad and seeing all the time, energy and resources that were invested uh, in me as a collegiate, but also me as a, a recent grad and then later on as an alumnus um, by the staff and by other volunteers, but then kind of holding each other accountable with my peer group out there. You know, Leadership Academy grads are supposed to be the best of the best, and we need to practice what we preach, and uh, we always need to make sure that we set that example so other people stay engaged and involved with the fraternity as we move forward. Pat, I'm curious, when you look at the fraternity and, and your experience from both being a collegiate member and now being a volunteer and being as deeply engaged as, as Alex presented earlier, what are the shifts that you've seen, positives, negatives, from how the fraternity has evolved from from when you were a collegiate member to even over the last few years as you've been a volunteer? What are the things you've seen? If someone's tuning into this podcast and they haven't been as engaged at, with the fraternity, and they they popped into this, came into their feed and they're listening, you know, what would you share with them of differences they might see between now and maybe when they were engaged or involved? I think one of the things that I've seen evolve is the level of time and effort that all of the stakeholders are spending together and, and working together on. So for example, I think there's a lot more interaction between the staff and the volunteers and the efforts that are going into alumni programming and alumni events. Um, I think overall, there's just that many more people from all areas of the fraternity that are working cohesively to, to try to make the organization better and, and learn from one another and, and create a better teak. And so I'm really excited about the resources that the entire fraternity is pouring into, not just support of the undergraduate chapters, but the alumni programming, the, the volunteer training that's going out to alumni volunteers, um, and, and just creating opportunities for people from all walks of life to, to engage, to re-engage, and to be a part of the organization, you know, and be the example of fraternity for life, and, and not let it be just a small um, you know, of a collegiate experience or a small volunteer window right after graduation. Thomas, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't want to repeat any of what Pat had to say, um, but I do want to emphasize, in addition to those resources, the communication that comes out of our headquarters office uh, has been more than what we've ever had. And that's been a, a culture change within the past few years. 
Uh, so it's very easy to send a text or make a phone call and reach out to support staff in the headquarters office and you hear back from them right away. And that's awesome to have that type of support when we're working with our undergrads, when we're working with other alumni and we, we want some ideas to move forward. Uh, but also seeing other people step up into smaller volunteer roles uh, as they are alumni members now. Uh, having that type of network of fellow volunteers has been very helpful. So be it if you want to make sure that you can give us an hour a month or if you want to be as involved as, you know, a few hours a week, there's an opportunity for everybody out there now. And everybody gets a chance to kind of help craft what that position is as long as it's within the guidelines of Teak. But having that support network out there, but also having multiple opportunities, depending upon, you know, what your comfort level is with volunteering for the fraternity, there's something out there for everybody who's willing to step forward and serve. I think that's a great segue into my next question, which is how do you guys find that balance of the time that you're spending on Teak and the time that you're spending elsewhere? It could be your personal lives, could be your professional lives. Donnie and I, this is our job. So we spend a lot of time on Teak and, and you know, get paid for it. Fortunately, you guys do not. And Thomas, you said there's something out there for everyone. I think that may be a little bit of a deterrent to folks trying to get involved in the, the volunteer ranks of, I don't think I have the time. I don't think I can dedicate as much time as right Pat McElroy or Thomas Geary. You don't necessarily have to do that, but you guys have also found a really good balance that, that works for you. And I'm just curious how you came to that point and how you, you manage your, your time accordingly. You know, I guess for me, it's about being really intentional. You know, ultimately, you spend time on the things that you care most about. And so when I reflect on what it is I care about, the fraternity is certainly one. So I have to intentionally make time for it. You know, and I find that I don't want work, personal life and fraternity life to be in silos. I want them to overlap. I want them to benefit from one another. And so what does that look like? Well, if I think Teak is the best organization in the world, why wouldn't I want to, to involve people from other aspects of my life into the fraternity? You know, I have amazing relationships with people in the organization. I want other people I care about to see that, to benefit from that. I want my wife and kids to know the men in Teak because I think they're great people. You know, I've been lucky that my wife and kids have been able to join me at things like Teak Conclave and service and social events. They've enjoyed it. They've liked the people. They believe in the work that we're doing and they look forward to future events. You know, if I'm fundraising for a cause like childhood cancer research, and, you know, it's something I really believe in. I want my coworkers to know that is something I'm spending my time on and pursuing. And I'm extremely lucky, lucky and grateful that my colleagues at work have been huge supporters and donors to our cause. You know, and so I think intentionally trying to bring work, personal fraternity life together for me has been nothing but beneficial. A little bit different from what, what Pat's perspective is there uh, to balance professional and personal when we're, we're talking about our fraternity. Some of our absolute rock star volunteers uh, are the guys that sit there and they immediately start talking about their family, like what Pat does. Uh, and they may not only be able to attend maybe a call a month and they get updated on the fraternity. They want to stay engaged. But then once they get that information, then they make it a point to be at a chapter retreat or an officer retreat or a quick speaker at uh, a province forum, something that's only going to take 30 minutes or an hour of their time per year. Uh, but then they're staying engaged with the volunteers as we move along. And that's in those micro positions like a province advisor or something like that, or an assistant chapter advisor, a BOA member, um, making sure that, that people understand that uh, you're a family man. I love incorporating that in with our undergrads because it also embodies the principle that Teak is the fraternity for life. So whatever walk of life you're into, we're going to find something for you. So I hope that's not a deterrence. 
uh, for people to step forward. And, and we want people to prioritize family and we don't want the fraternity uh, stepping up over that. And we've never asked that to be the case. So uh, for me personally, I use uh, the fraternity in my professional life because uh, working inside government, I love meeting other teaks. Uh, when I travel and I like to go out and do uh, some chapter visitations when I'm out there. Uh, but using that for your professional network to grow uh, in your career, I think, is paramount and a great uh, opportunity to use the fraternity. You know, when, the, when the four of us talk, often the word that comes up is expectations. I'm curious for the two of you who are big proponents of expectations, where would you like to see expectations shift when it comes to volunteers? Thomas, I'll, I'll let you go first, but I know Again, some of the private conversations we've had, we we all believe we can take this to another level. To the follow, the fellow volunteers, the other loyal listeners out there who are volunteers, Thomas, what are some things you'd like to share with them? Just speaking directly to them of, of the shifts you'd like to see. I could not uh, preach enough about expectations when it comes to these volunteer roles, because when we have expectations, there's also some clear resources out there that volunteers can use. And you know exactly what you're getting into. There's no ambiguity. And then once you're uh, ready to move on to a different volunteer position, there's a clear path for you forward. So you don't, it eliminates the guessing game is I guess what I'm trying to say. So I'm a huge supporter of expectations for each of these different volunteer positions we have. But to me, kind of a baseline for all volunteers, it goes back to that time, talent and treasure. You're gonna have some type of time commitment with us, be it an hour a month or an hour a week, uh, but you get to have that conversation. We figure out which role is gonna be best for you based upon what you're willing to give. And then you've got to give us some time. Uh, your talent, definitely important, be it your professional uh, service on what you can provide back to the fraternity or the time that we're going to need you to invest in training. Teak today is not how Teak was five years ago. It's certainly not what Teak was 20 years ago. So it's important that volunteers, we stay relevant with our skills and resources that we can provide our undergraduates or when we're working with our fellow alumni and alumni association roles. We want to make sure that we have the most up-to-date information, the best information to be the most impactful. Uh, and then I think all volunteers in some capacity need to donate, uh, be it you're a life loyalteque donor of 20 bucks per year, which is much cheaper than anybody's undergraduate dues should have been. Uh, but you've got to give and have some financial skin in the game uh, when you're in a volunteer role. And it's important to give back to the fraternity because it sets that example uh, for our undergrads. But we're also paying it forward for opportunities for them to learn and grow as young men. And hopefully they continue that trend moving forward. Yeah, we need to lead by example. Um, I was having a conversation a couple of years ago and I, somebody said, I love the fraternity. I said, show me, don't tell me, um, you know, and that that means uh, leading by action. And so as a volunteer, you know, I can set an example and, and lead with action by being the first person to raise my hand and say, I want to be trained up. I want to learn more. I've been doing this for a long time, but I can always get better. Um, things change, things evolve, and I need to be up to date and, and provide the best value that I possibly can. You know, it also means that you know, when things go wrong, I've got to raise my hand and say, things didn't go well, but, but I'm going to work harder to make them better. Um, and, and so having that accountability, being really consistent in your actions, being very intentional in what you're trying to do, and then being accountable to the things that, that we talk about and the expectations that we set. I think I'm going to petition the, uh, the Grand Council to add a line into ritual after you say, I love the fraternity a gavel, then everyone just says, show me, don't tell me, because uh, that, I mean, that's great because we also, I mean, everyone literally who's ever been in a gavel pass has said, I love the fraternity. And uh, a lot of us say it on a much more regular basis. And, and that doesn't mean anything unless you're willing to, to put the, 
the effort behind it unless you're willing to put the actions behind it. So I think that's great. And, and I would encourage everyone out there to use that more often and to, to show it themselves. I want to separate from Teak a little bit in that it is National Volunteer Month and Volunteer Appreciation Month. And this is actually, I found out this morning, Volunteer Appreciation Week within Volunteer Appreciation Month. Um, I have not narrowed down which day this week is Volunteer Appreciation Day, but perhaps we'll get there. Um, why do you guys believe that volunteering is important in general? It doesn't just have to be for Teak, but why is it important to find an organization or a cause that that you can take some of your own personal time and give back to you outside of your, your personal life and your professional life? Yeah, so I'll take that question first. Uh, I think any volunteer opportunity that I get to be involved in, be it with Teak or some of the other organizations uh, I get the opportunity to serve in, is it's always fun. Uh, and if it's not fun, you got to find a way to make it fun. Because if you're having fun, the people around you are also going to have a chance to make it fun as well. So I get a lot of, of self-fulfillment whenever I get in volunteer roles uh, because of the fun that I get to have uh, being in those positions. But we also, you get to set the growth for the organization that you're in. So every every organization that's out there has some type of trend they're trying to follow or positive culture change or growth and getting to be a key stakeholder in those types of conversations. But you also get to uh, be intimately involved in on some of those changes as they're getting adopted. So we're working with our undergrads or we're working with uh, the alumni members to get some of those positive changes to occur. And you, when you accomplish your goal, uh, to me, I get a lot of self-satisfaction out of that. So to me, it's kind of a personal growth opportunity that I have. So, yeah. And then I'll, I'll kind of echo a different sentiment in terms of, you know, I'm a big believer in servant leadership. I think we need more servant leaders in this world. You know, people that are, you know, willing to unselfishly ask, what can I do to help? You know, sometimes that means doing what you'd like to do. Sometimes it means doing what the community or the organization needs just because you believe in the mission. Um, you know, we joined or benefit from organizations that were built and supported by the people who came before us, you know, including many, many volunteers. You know, we stand on the shoulders of those people. We owe it to them to give back and to leave the organizations that we, we love and, and, and represent in a better place than we found them. You know, so those organizations can continue and do the good works that they're capable of. I'd love to know, too, from, from you guys, back to the TEAK-specific teak information. Have you had a, a moment, so much of volunteering and continuing to, to give that effort and that energy is from the moments that, that fill up your bucket, as we say, or you know, give you that purpose, that meaning. Would love you guys to share maybe one or two of those moments that you've had where you just said, wow, like what I'm doing actually does make a difference. And, and that is what drives me to continue to find that with, with other individuals, with other chapters, just like the moments I just had. I mean, it sounds super cliche, but I mean, I get those, I mean, almost weekly, you know, in little ways. Um, it can be the text back from a guy who's been struggling and I was the pat on his back or the, the support network that he needed, you know, going through a troubling time. You know, I think as a volunteer who's been, been able to be engaged for quite some time, sometimes you get that follow-up email five, six, seven years later that says, hey, Pat, I really appreciated you encouraging me as an officer. You know, you helped inspire me to do a little bit more. I went on to grad school. I'm doing really well in my life and I'm finding a way to be re-engaged, you know, now that I've found my path. You know, that those types of, um, you know, feedback or, or commentaries, those mean the world to you because you, you're putting in the time and effort to, to help people develop, you know, and find their way. 
Um, and so those, those are the messages that mean the most, you know, from the guys that you're working with either in the short term to help them through a obstacle or in the long term when they're able to have some perspective and reflect on, you know, the time and effort that you put into them. Yeah, along those same lines, uh, recently we had one of our undergrads for the chapter that I'm the chapter advisor for uh, graduate with his undergrad degree and then pursued uh, law school. And when he got accepted into every law school that he applied for, he was able to make his choice based upon uh, his full ride that he got offered. So now he's up at IUPUI in Indy uh, enjoying some law school and having those types of individuals that are clearly successful in life, uh, but they got something out of teak because of some of the time that I was able to invest. And it takes those little moments where they sit there and they write you a handwritten thank you note uh, that means the world to me. And like that individual, he did that. And that note is here in my office. Uh, and that means the absolute world to me. When they take the time and they're able to go back and reflect and see the changes of personal growth that they've had. Uh, and it's something that was maybe took them two minutes to write just a quick thank you. Um, another example I can think of is I get the opportunity to go out and serve for Leadership Academy out at Teak. But seeing those guys get to interact with the greats of the fraternity uh, in our undergraduate census, then they go back to their chapters. They're able to start making positive changes for some of the culture that they've got going on within their own campuses. So some of the guys already come and they're rock stars and some of the guys um, they've not experienced Teak outside of their own chapter. So it's important that our undergrads get opportunities to go to things like RLCs and conclaves uh, and to the Leadership Academy. But having those guys that graduated from the program that are in my small group and keeping in touch with them on a month to month basis and hearing things like they've become the preakness of their chapter, or they've received you know, scholarship opportunities or they ask for a letter of reference. I get tons of satisfaction out of those opportunities, but seeing them go out and make Teak a better place or making their life more enriching it, it definitely makes it worth my time as a volunteer. As we are more than halfway through April, crazy to say, and really headed towards the end of the fiscal year here, I'm curious what the two of you think as we head into next fall. We've talked a lot about the past and, and even some of the present, but let's talk a little bit about the future. What, what are you excited about as we head into the summer and into the fall? What are goals you, you might have for your province? What are what are just your thoughts around what next fall looks like and some of the discussions that you're having with some of the collegiates that you're working with? I think, you know, what I'm really excited about is there's been this pent up, you know, interest in, in what more can we do, right? And we've been a little bit limited. We've been having to figure out our way in a Zoom or virtual environment, and we're not able to do what we're really, we're not able to put our manpower to work, right? We're not able to have this, this, the impact we had from a, from a, you know, a manpower standpoint. And I think we, a little bit, that's a little inflated because we've, we're, we've been capable and have done a lot in, in the past year, regardless of the circumstances. But I'm really excited for us to be able to get out there and start to have more confidence. You know, I think this last year has been a little bit of a, a period where we just haven't had as much confidence and volunteers have been doing a lot of coaching up and a lot of mentoring and a lot of trying to say, hey, let's, let's get out there and, and do a little bit more. And I think as we come into next fall, there's going to be a lot of things going on. There's going to be a lot of changes in policies and areas of the country are going to be at different phases. But I think we collectively need to lean on one another and be the big fraternity that we are that's capable of a lot of work and, and get out there and really show a lot of people that what we're capable of when, when other organizations may be slow to do that um, because they're, they're still kind of um, you know feeling the effects of the last year. We need to be first movers on this. We need to get out there be engaged, live up to our mission, do what we say we're capable of. Um, and I'm really excited about our ability to fundraise for St. Jude. I'm excited to get some more guys involved and engaged in some additional programming opportunities with province forums. 
um, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, stepping up and challenging, challenging ourselves, um, you know, to be the best fraternity on campus or, or to be the best fraternity um, in, in the community. So that's what I'm excited about. So there's three things that we're working on with our guys out in Indiana, uh, out here in the Midwest. We may do things differently than what Pat, your groups are doing up there in the, uh, the Northeast. But uh, the first thing we hit in the Midwest is going to be some risk management because our guys have been cooped up, separated out. And we want to make sure that they remember uh, what the rules are, what the policies are when it comes to risk management, especially with our events. So as we're nearing the end of this COVID tunnel, uh, we're looking at campuses and some campuses are going to be open. Some campuses are under restrictions and some are staying distant. We want to make sure that everybody has a, a clear understanding of what TEAK stance is when it comes to risk management. And we've got now uh, over a year of initiates that have come in that haven't seen uh, what a proper event needs to look like. So we want to make sure that we we still keep it fun, but we still keep everybody safe because TEAK being a Greek organization. We're always under strict scrutiny and we want to make sure that our chapter leaders and the volunteers working with those chapters keep that in the very front of their mind as, as we're entering into this next semester. Uh, recruitment and retention are the next topic that we always hit on. So recruitment's going to be an awesome opportunity coming up in the fall. Our guys have to be engaged. And what's great about Teak is we've been so proactive over the course of this pandemic because we've been planning for the end of the pandemic almost as soon as it started. So staff had already geared up, volunteers got involved. And we've got plans in place if our chapters utilize the resources that are out there to make sure that they are as successful as possible, be it with the Fired Up certifications or engaging with other uh, area volunteers or now having the opportunity to, to zoom in with other chapters and figure out and share success stories. Uh, but once we get people in, we also need to retain them. So we've had a year of guys uh, in our chapters. We want to make sure that they still see that value based uh, of being a member. So um, J.J. Watt's got a famous quote out there that says success is not owned. It is leased and rent is due every day. So success, um, as it was written by chapter standards a year ago or a year and a half ago, be different in the fall. And we get a chance to have a completely clean slate uh, and start pounding the pavement as soon as we get onto our campuses and before we get onto our campuses to recruit, retain, prove our value, and then also be safe along the way. But we keep risk management uh, in mind. Well, any time that we can use this podcast to, to call out the coastal elites, um, it's, it's a positive. So I appreciate you doing that, Thomas, so I didn't have to. Um, my last question for you guys, uh, maybe an opportunity to, to reminisce a little bit, tap into nostalgia, but you have both had uh, uh, a lifetime's worth of Teak experiences and opportunities since you joined the fraternity as, as members, as undergraduate members, I'm curious, what is your number one favorite memory that you associate with the fraternity? Could be as a student, could be two days ago. Um, you can take that any direction you'd like, but your number one memory you associate with Teak. That's a, that's a tough one. So I'll, I'll, I'll cheat and say two. Um, since I'm the, the, the older volunteer in the room, you know, for me on the, on the family side, again, having my family at conclaves, getting to see my daughter run around and, and see the big, uh, show and event that is, um, conclave was, was amazing, you know, going to Orlando and having an amazing experience, uh, with the fraternity at conclave there and letting her dress up and get to attend, uh, you know, the, the formal and, you know, banquet and dressed up as Belle in her costume because she was going and attending all the princess stuff in Orlando. Um, that was really, really cool. That came, that brought me full circle from an undergraduate to now a dad being able to see, you know, my family, my kids benefit and enjoy the fraternity experience. And then I think on the volunteer side, there's, there's not one I can point to, but 
the volunteer brotherhood is a brotherhood within the fraternity and it's a unique support system. And so anytime I've had the chance to do some volunteer retreats and been in a non-chapter setting and passed the gavel and been able to share experiences with fellow volunteers, those always moved me considerably. Um, you know, you, you, you hearken back to when you were an undergrad and uh, undergrad and, and at ritual and, and the first time you get to experience it. And when you're a volunteer, you know, you get to do that you know, more frequently than other alumni who aren't as engaged. And it's a really powerful thing. And so, you know, anytime I get a chance to be in the triangle with my fellow volunteers passing the gavel, that's what always means a lot to me. Yeah, for me, uh, um, the, the memory that sticks out the most was when uh, our chapter is about 45 years old. We're having our 45th anniversary coming up this December. And for 42 years, we went without ever a top teak award. And it's always been written down for uh, chapter creek after year that they were going to strive to attain that. And they put in the work and then uh, always seemed to come up short for whatever the reason was. So three years ago, our chapter attained its first top teak chapter award and being their chapter advisor, but watching those guys be as excited as what they were and then also the brag aspect, because they got to come back to our alumni events and then show that they were the group that actually got to bring home the trophy. Uh, and then seeing our alumni kind of thrive in and get more engaged because of that uh, has been a tremendous outpour. So that's how we were able to fill up our board of advisors and we were able to recruit people on the province team. And just that little tidbit of finally somebody uh, achieving a goal that multiple people had set out to get, uh, that's still going to be my absolute greatest uh, teak memory. I love those stories, Pat. Taking the extra one, I appreciate that. Uh, as we as we wrap up, I want to thank the two of you and thank all of our volunteers for all that you do. I know we 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 try to say thank you as much as we can, but it's never enough. But I also want to give both of you a chance. We like to give all of our guests and Thomas. You've probably been preparing for this if you've been a an avid avid listener, and that's you know a chance to share a message with Teak Nation. Anything that you want to say from what's gone on last year to going into next year, or even to somebody out there who might consider volunteering who's listening to this podcast. I'll start, Thomas, we'll start with you. Any, any messages or thoughts you want to share with Teak Nation as we wrap up? Yeah, any chance you get the opportunity to engage, engage, be it as a collegiate member or as an alumnus or as a volunteer. We need more engagement. And even on the most challenging and difficult of days or circumstances, that means you need to engage just a little bit more. So we need more engagement out of everybody. We need just one more opportunity for people to step up and, and be involved and serve in our fraternity because we want to get 1% better every day. So if we get 1% better every day, the organization as it is today is going to be 100 times better than what it was uh, in 100 days from now. So if we get people to just continue to engage, continue to support the fraternity, uh, we're going to be in just heaven here coming up. So we often talk about, you know, recruitment, right? And, and how it's so important and vital to the organization. That is relevant at the, of the volunteer and alumni level as well, right? I mean, Donnie and, and Alex, they're asking me as a volunteer to go out there and engage other teaks and bring them into the fold and, and get them to join our, our regional and province teams. And sometimes, you know, we can do that. And sometimes it's a little bit harder. And, and so, we need people to come out there and, and, and get out there and ask people to, to engage and join. But sometimes, you know, that doesn't always happen right away. And we need people to step up. You know, if there's something that you're interested in and you want to participate, we need you to be proactive and reach out to the fraternity and say, I, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of the team. I want to be supportive in any way that I can. So we're going to keep, at, you know, getting out there and reengaging as many alumni and, and volunteers as we possibly can. And 
And to the extent that people can be helpful and, and be proactive and reach out, that would be enormous support as well. I mean, we've got a lot of work to do and we're capable of so much more and we need to get more hands on deck and, and working on the, uh, the good works of the fraternity. All right, my friends. Thank you guys. Um, not just for the last half hour of time, but for, for all the time you give. And uh, again, you, you are both pretty humble individuals and probably wouldn't recognize this on your own, but I'm very confident when I say that the fraternity would be much worse off without the two of you in it, without the two of you giving the, the volunteer hours and time, talent, and treasure that you do. So thank you guys for, for joining and sharing a little perspective on what it's like to volunteer for Teak and, and for continuing to go out there. I'm sure you are both getting ready to go hop on a call or send a text message or, or do something else Teak related as soon as you're, you're done with this call. So uh, thank you guys. Can't thank you enough. And we will uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yep. Have a good day. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Another wonderful conversation with a, a couple of guests and uh, always enjoy the opportunity to talk to those two guys, whether it is in podcast interview format or, or just as a buddy. Um, two really good guys, really good people, individuals who mean a lot to the fraternity, but, but also I know mean a lot to Donnie and I both personally. So we thank them one last time and uh, hopefully you were able to, to take away some, some good nuggets of information there about what it means to volunteer for Teak, what it means to be a volunteer at all. That is our show. We will let you get back. I know you're probably celebrating Volunteer Recognition Week super hard, so we don't want to take too much more of your time. Please don't forget, I know this, uh, probably don't say it enough, to smash the like button and follow us and subscribe wherever you get your podcast content. If you didn't do it last week, that's okay. There's no time like the present to go and, and knock that out and make sure that you are always the first to know when a new episode of the Teak Nation podcast drops. Thank you to our guests today, to Zach, to Pat, to Thomas. Thank you to all of you for listening. If you have any suggestions about the show, feedback, questions, general engagement, if you want to let us know uh, your most uncomfortable movie-going experience, that would be appreciated. And uh, we will we'll talk to you all again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.